It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, October 31st, 2022, otherwise known as Halloween. Happy Halloween, Bucknutters. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by Patrick Murphy. Um, I tell you what, it was looking pretty scary in Happy Valley on Saturday when the Buckeyes were trailing 21-16 to with a little over, uh, what, nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, trailing by five, and then they went on that barrage, four touchdowns in six minutes. Um, that was a lot of fun to watch, but... Um, we're going to get into some of the good and the bad um, going into November for the Buckeyes, as they like to say, Patrick. You know, football coaches love to say um, November's for contenders. So we're going to get into that. But I want to look back on the Penn State game real quick. Obviously, JT Tuimolowal will have to check with Jack Park. But um, as we talked about on the postgame show, I, I have no doubt at least an argument could be made. That's the best individual performance in the history of Ohio State football for a defensive player. If not, it's at least in the in the discussion. Uh, let's start there. Just what a performance from JT to Imolo Al. Absolutely. I, I tweeted yesterday that like I think we should take a minute and really process what we saw on Saturday afternoon. I mean, we've seen some really good defensive performances. Chase Young had some. I mean, the Bosa brothers, we could go down the list of defensive backs. Like, you know, there's been plenty of that, even in just recent Ohio State history. This was something different entirely. I mean, he completely took over that game and frankly he started the game with that tip to Zach Harrison that led to an interception then he comes out gets an interception of his own I mean go back and watch that play he looks like a defensive back jumping that route for the running back I mean that's not what defense most defensive ends do in that situation you can see why they're comfortable with him dropping into coverage in in that situation And, and then he closed it out too. two sacks in the fourth quarter one of them was a fumble that he recovered And then obviously the interception, he returns for a touchdown. He had six total tackles on the day, three tackles for a loss. It it, it's something I have not seen. And if JT Tumalau doesn't do that, the Buckeyes probably don't win the game. I mean, I know the offense got going in the fourth quarter and and whatnot, but Penn State probably has a has some drives early on that they didn't get. I I mean, he he was the difference. On Saturday, and you know, anytime you win a game against a good team, you can give a lot of uh, you know player of the game honors out. Certainly, offensive guys deserve credit. There were other defensive guys that made plays, but there's a reason JT Tuomalau on Sunday was named the Walter Camp National Player of the Week. I expect that's the first of many awards that he'll receive for that performance this week, and, and rightfully so. And as we had a commenter say, I mean, you know, if it wasn't for a, a JT two-mile allowed, we'd be talking about Marvin, Marvin Harrison Jr. as the yeah, star of the yeah. game. I mean, my goodness gracious. Um, wow. He continues to look like, um, you know, maybe the best wide receiver in college football. Um, there's, there's some other receivers having great years, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, Jalen Hyatt at Tennessee, Emeka Ibuka at Ohio State, and then there's others. But Marvin Harrison Jr., man, he, he just looks like the best wide receiver in college football to me. Yeah, if he's not this year, I think he will be next year. Uh, the, the stats maybe don't 
back it up just because he has to spread it around. If, if he were the main target in this offense, I, I think he would definitely be in that conversation. 16, or I'm sorry, 10 catches, 185 yards for Harrison. The only thing he didn't do on Saturday was score a touchdown. I mean, he even looked like he got banged up at one point, was grabbing his right shoulder, came over to the sidelines. It was, uh, you know, panic mode for a second because they'd already lost Marvin Har- or, uh, Mayan Williams, excuse me, um, in, earlier in that game. But he comes right back out and continues to, to do what he did throughout the game. C.J. Stroud knows he can trust him. C.J. Stroud said after the game that there were some of those plays, some of those slant routes where he just made eye contact with Marvin Harrison, and it was those nonverbal changing of the play just because of the way Penn State was playing coverage. It's great to see that those two – not only understand each other, but understand the game at this point in their careers, you know, both kind of second years really playing. Um, Marvin Harrison really is first year after after the Rose Bowl, but understand the situation to to be able to do stuff like that, change the play. And obviously it worked numerous times for the Buckeyes. So, yeah, I mean, if you're looking for an offensive player of the game, I'm certainly giving it to Marvin Harrison. I think Ohio State did as well with with their their team individual awards. I think uh... – People aren't talking about C.J. Stroud's performance enough. Yeah. His, his quarterback rating was 93.4. As I wrote about this morning in, in the written version of what we learned, you know, if, if you don't know anything about quarterback ratings, anything over 90 is considered elite. And he was 93.4, um, 26 of 33, you know, well over 300 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, and nobody's talking about it. All right, so that's some of the good stuff. Um, the defensive line overall, J.T. Tumo Loal playing the, you know, the game of his life. And becoming that superstar right before our eyes. He's been playing well, I thought, all year, but just becoming a superstar right before our eyes. And then Michael Hall Jr., you know, I think Teron Vincent, Zach Harrison, Tyleek Williams, you know, those guys have been playing like well all year. I love the defensive line. So that's that's good. Tommy Eichenberg's good. Uh CJ Stroud, I mean, you can say excellent for some of these things. You know, Marvin Harrison. Let's get into some concerns now. All right. A lot of people were saying the Iowa game was maybe was an aberration, only 2.2 yards per carry. Yeah, but they were stacking the box. And, yeah, I was really good on defense. And at times they had like eight, nine guys in the box. And one game aberration, right? Then you face a Penn State defense that Michigan could do whatever they wanted to on the ground, over 400 yards of rushing. And Ohio State only three-point yards per carry against Penn State two days ago. So the running game is obviously a concern. Can they clean this up? And how big of a concern is it for Ohio State in your estimation? It's definitely a concern. Two games in a row, as you mentioned, uh, a defense that hasn't been great against the run. Now, I do think we should point out, when you lose to Michigan the way that you do, that Penn State did, and you give up that many rushing yards, obviously that becomes something that you focus on in practice. So I think that to compare the the Penn State-Michigan uh, and Penn State-Ohio State games, it is difficult because obviously Penn State tried to work on some of the things that Michigan was able to do, and Ohio State plays a, a different offense, runs some different things. With that said, that there's problems running this ball, and you know maybe earlier in the year we were overlooking some things because Ohio State was able to get away with it. Ryan Day talks a lot about evaluating some of those um, you know non matchup, non talent for talent games differently than, than maybe we do or fans do because there are things you can get away with when you're just the better, bigger, physical guys, especially up front. And I think that that may be showing itself a little bit here and could be a problem when they get to a potential college football playoff, um, you know, maybe even in, in down the road against Michigan, another team that's, that's like for like in talent. 
I think that they need to look at this offensive line. We know that Matthew Jones is banged up and is playing through things, and, and that's admirable. But if it if that is causing issues, if they identify, because I think the right side of that offensive line is having some struggles right now, you know, do you think about bringing in Enoch Viamahe and putting him in there and letting Matthew Jones heal up for a few weeks before you face another big test? Um, are there things that you can do schematically if you're Justin Fry and Ryan Day to block things better? I think certain plays tend to work. We were talking about it on, on the drive home um, and Marcus Hartman from, from uh, the Dayton paper who does a real good job kind of breaking down football things kept saying, you know, the power play is a play that seems to work well with both running backs and he doesn't think Ohio state uses it enough. I I'd have to go back and really dig into that, but you know, that to me with, with what Ohio state offensive line wise and their running back, especially when Mayan Williams is in there, that to me seems like a successful idea. You know, you don't want to be only have one or two things you can do well, but right now they're not doing anything well really when it comes to the running game, they did get it going later in the game, which I think is important, but it's certainly not consistent and, and that's problematic. Yeah, the next thing I wanted to talk about uh, was Mayan Williams. Uh, we have Chad on YouTube saying, I know Mayan tweeted all good on Saturday, and Ryan Day does not discuss injuries, but we need his power running, says Chad. Any updates that you can share? I mean, it didn't look good. I wrote this morning, Patrick. It looked to me like he hurt his left wrist and re-injured his right knee on the same play. They were icing his right knee, they said, on the sideline. Um, then when he came back from the locker room, his arm was in a sling and his, his wrist was wrapped. It look at when he fell, he braced himself. So maybe he broke his wrist. Hopefully not. Um, what are you hearing? Um, what are you hearing about Mayan Williams and how big of a concern is that? Yeah, I can't say that we've heard anything at this point um, in, in terms of what the injury is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, it's Fort Knox over there. But what I will say is they at one point, and I don't know how much they showed this on TV, but he came out of the tent with, with two trainers walked all the way down the sideline to the Penn State Tunnel. I assume that's where the x-ray machine is in, in Beaver Stadium. Um, and they came back out, still in uniform, still at his helmet. And it, maybe they just hadn't gotten the results of the x-rays yet and stuff. But I think it was positive that he was still there. Obviously, in the second half, he went to street clothes and, and as you mentioned, was, was icing and had the brace on and stuff. But I do think it's it's a positive sign that he stayed on the sidelines, um, that he did tweet that after the game. I, you know, I mean, you can read that a couple of ways. Is he all good, ready to play next week? Is he all good just mentally dealing with an injury that might see him sit out? So I don't, you know, I don't think you want to read into that too much, but I do think it's a positive sign that he is being positive on social media. You know, I think if if you if you tweeted something negative or or you know, crying emojis, things like that, then you're really concerned. But yeah, I think if he's not out there. Travion Henderson is as talented as he is, hasn't been the best runner for the Buckeyes this year. It's it's been Mayan Williams for sure. As we talked about post-game, they have Dallin Hayden, but they may not trust him in terms of ball security and things in, in big moments right now. Now, you know, if, if the next two weeks you have to use Dallin Hayden a little bit more and he shows he can do that, maybe you do trust him in some bigger moments down the road. But I think if if Mayan Williams is out, this is gonna be the Travion Henderson show for the most part. And you're gonna have to uh, get him going north-south, be more decisive, better reads of, of the, the plays, things like that. Um, you also may have to manufacture some running game with these receivers. We've seen little bits here and there with, with guys coming on jet sweeps. Emeka Buka scored a touchdown earlier, things like that. You may have to get a bit more creative if, if you're Ohio State, if you don't have Mayan Williams in there. 
you know, you obviously have a guy like Mitch Rossi who can handle the ball in short yardage situations as well. So yeah, mine would be a loss. Definitely. He's been a a very bright and surprising part of this offense this year, and and they certainly don't want to lose him. All right. Uh, JSN, like we, we have to, you know, the elephant in the room with JSN, there's daily a JSN update, I, right? And it's not, it's not even an update. It's just, yeah. I mean, for those that are wondering, I mean, I'll be surprised if we see him and if we do see him back playing, it won't be at least until Michigan and maybe not until the postseason. Uh, maybe, you know, if they get to the college football playoff for national championship game, maybe he'd play then. Um, my gut tells me he's done though. I, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know if he's done. I mean, it's so hard, right? Because these hamstring things and, and we've, you know, I don't want to just be redundant on things that we've talked about before, but you know, I've had hamstring issues before. They're just a pain in the leg, quite literally, and <laughs> they don't go away. And, you know, obviously he's trying to do everything he can. The medical staff there is trying to do everything they can. I mean, it's, I don't fault Ohio state. As I've said before, I think when you look at when he's come back, they did what they were supposed to do. The tests that they ran said he was good to go. You just don't know. And so, you know, there was a report last week that he was going to seek a second opinion. Um, I know he didn't travel to the game. I, I, you know, I don't know for sure if he did that or not. But, yeah, I definitely don't think we see him for a little while here. And I, I am still optimistic because I know how much he wants to get back that we do see him at some point this year, especially, like you said, if, if they do make the college football playoff, that gives him basically another month to try and recover where, you know, there aren't the game, the pressure of the games to try and get back into it. So, Maybe at that point, you know, it'd be great if he could be back and, and play in the Michigan game, play in the Big Ten championship game. And just I know how much he wants to have an impact on this team this year, especially if this is a team that goes out and wins a national championship or, or even competes for one. He wants to be a part of it, not a sideline guy. And so if, if he can get back involved, it would be great. But, you know, he, he certainly is. is go- they are going to be cautious all, all across the board because this just keeps happening and, and you don't want to do something that's going to, injure him significantly further i i think down the road we could talk about whether or not it's important for him to play more in terms of his draft stock i I don't think we need to get up to that yet but um i know certainly he wants to be back out there and i hope he has that opportunity yeah no doubt about it um all right um now they get at least three warm-up games including this week their favorite i'm actually surprised the point spread isn't higher we posted the story this morning. Buckeyes are favored by 38 over Northwestern. I won't be surprised if that goes up a little bit. Uh, won't be surprised if it's 40 by kickoff. Um, and their their win probability is 98.5% according to ESPN's uh, Football Power Index. Then they get Indiana at home the following week. At Maryland could be tricky if uh, Talia uh, Tungavailoa is healthy. If he's not healthy, it won't be tricky. Uh, but if he is. And then, of course, the game. Um how do you feel like Ohio State stacks up with Michigan? Michigan's a lot better than what I thought they'd be. Um, I know we're looking ahead, but why not? How do you feel like Ohio State um, matches up with Michigan heading into November? Well, I do think that Maryland game is interesting before we, I get to Michigan. Just because you are going on the road the week before Michigan, if Tagovailoa does play, that, as you said, that makes that game more interesting. But just one, in, you know, if the Buckeyes roll through these next two weeks, you got to be careful. That's that game where you got to be careful you're not looking ahead to Michigan, right? So, that, that's why that's interesting to me. But, yeah, the Michigan game is going to be interesting. Can you stop the run? That's the name of the game. You know that J.J. McCarthy isn't, at this point in his career at least, an elite quarterback. How how well can you handle Michigan's two really talented running backs? That I thought both were good players for sure, but the numbers that they've put up, um, especially Blake Corum this year, who who I thought maybe this time of the season would start to wear down just because he's – 
He's a big, he's a strong kid, but he's not that big running back frame, not tall or anything like that. So impressive what they've done. I think they've found a good rhythm offensively. Their defense is still, it's good. I will be very interested to see Ohio State's wide receivers against Michigan's defensive backs. I think you can certainly exploit that a little bit. I mean, you saw even Saturday, I think that Penn State's defensive backs are about as good as Ohio State will face in Big Ten play. And, and the numbers they were going, they were able to put up when they weren't throwing bubble screens to the outside. Uh, I, I think that that will be somewhere Ohio State can exploit. I think the fact that it's in Columbus is huge. I think the fact that Ohio State has been thinking about this game since they lost last year's game plays a huge part. I know Michigan will be up for it as well. I know a lot will probably be on the line, but you know, the, the, the motivational factor is certainly on Ohio state side this year, which you could probably say other than the normal rivalry stuff, hasn't been the case the last several years, Ohio state kind of felt like they would just kind of roll through Michigan a lot of the times. And a lot of times they did. I think maybe that bit them a little bit last year, but I don't think it will this year. So I don't know. I think we could spend a whole podcast breaking that, that game down and we definitely will. But I do think that it, you know, it's it's going to be the biggest game of the year, at least in the Big Ten, and it could be in the country, especially if these teams are both undefeated as we expect them to be. The big question entering the season was the defense. We talked about individual defensive players like JT Tumalau coming off, you know, as, as we're saying, maybe the best defensive performance in Ohio State history for a single game. Tommy Eichenberg playing at a Buckus Award level, although he missed the tackling left a lot to be desired in yeah. Happy Valley. That was disappointing. Yes. The, one, the one really big play they gave up to really get Penn State back in the game, yeah, it, it was schemed up perfectly by Knowles. You had Tanner McAllister and J.K. Johnson right there. They both they combined a whiff on the tackle, and the guy you know just takes it to the house. But Jim Knowles is obviously a, a, a you know a great. We're talking about good and bad. Jim Knowles has been even better than advertised. Uh, I, I love the way this defense is playing, and um, so Jim Knowles and this defense, they're a top five defense, and. Uh, you know, they passed that test on Saturday. They weren't perfect. But, again, I, I love a lot of those plays were not on Knowles that worked for Penn State. Some were, I'm sure. But um, I love what Jim Knowles has brought to the table this year. It's funny. After the game last week against Iowa, Zach Harrison was asked, you know, does, does this essentially feel like a shutout? Because the defense really only gave up three points. The other seven points were scored off the this turnover. And he said, no, three points is too many. And so I imagine that the conversation after this game – was that giving up 31 points and 482 yards was far too many. And I know against a good offense, a good team, you're not going to be perfect. People certainly have, or, you know, Jim Knowles has said all season that, that, that this defense will give up some big plays, and, and we saw that. Uh, but, yeah, there's things to clean up for sure because the missed tackles are concerning. It's not just this game. This game has just kind of been – the, the one where it almost came back to bite the Buckeyes. I mean, you go back to the the first defensive play of the season and Josh Proctor missing that tackle that, that got Notre Dame off and running. And, and so there's been some of those. And I think that's something that we, we could discuss more is, is how they improve in that aspect here in the middle of the season because you're probably not tackling as much in practice right now just to save bodies and, and keep people healthy. That needs to be cleaned up for sure. Um, but you're right. I do love the scheme. I love what they're doing. I think they made some really good adjustments Saturday. Uh, on, based on what Penn State was doing, and, and that got them back in the game. And, and ultimately, just it came down to talent, right? You had two five-star defensive ends of three five-star defensive ends. 
make huge plays in that game. I still think Jack Sawyer is due for a big breakout performance at some point. I mean, you just go through the whole group. It's, it's talent on talent on talent. And I think if you have enough of that, it eventually puts you in a position to win. And Jim Knowles is, is doing a good job making sure these guys are in those positions more often than not. All right, last thing here. I was going to bring this up anyway to finish the show. We have to talk about the offensive line. That was looking like, without question, it was like a high point of this team, Justin Fry. And then last two weeks, not good. Um, now, both good defenses, and especially Iowa's defense and stacking the box. I get all that. I get all that. But I'm sure Ryan Day and Justin Fry would be the first to say they have to be better. So, Patrick, where are you at with this offensive line? Um, has it been good? Has it been bad? Somewhere in between? Like, how would how would you rank it so far? And What's your confidence level in this O-line heading into November? It's been good. I just think you've seen some things exploited, as we, as we said kind of off the top, uh, the past couple weeks, and, and maybe things where Ohio State got away with stuff that, that uh, you know, against inferior defensive linemen, linebackers, that they aren't getting away with now. As I mentioned, I think Matthew Jones, we know Matthew Jones is playing through some things injury-wise. And, you know, it might be time to sit him down and let him rest a little bit if you have trust in, in Enoch Viamahe or, or any of the other guards to step in there. I also wonder or I also think that, that you can scheme some things better. I think they're running into loaded boxes quite a bit. The tendencies are showing. I mean, number of times sitting up there watching from the press box, you can tell it's, it's going to be a run play. And, and the defense obviously knows it's going to be a run play. And so I think maybe running when – defenses aren't expecting as much trying to get you know a bit more um freedom in that box so to speak to to run into they did have one play i think it was they got a penalty penn state committed a penalty it was first and five um they they did run there and i think that's a thing where a lot of times they'll take a shot so it was good to see them kind of break that and again there there was the run that was really well blocked for the the travion henderson big touchdown run there are positives from it, but yeah, this offensive line has got to play better, especially the right side. It's, it's concerning that the top two run defenses, I believe you've faced so far have done a really good job against you. You want to at least have decent numbers because you know, you're going to be able to, you're going to need to run the ball. This offense is going to be able to throw. We know that, but in, in certain moments, I think you're going to have to be able to run the ball. You don't have to be a run heavy team. If you're Ohio state, you have too many offensive weapons, uh, in the passing game, but you need to be able to run the ball. Maybe passing to open the run is the way Ohio State needs to approach it, as opposed to the way a lot of teams do. And you know, if you can get that going, maybe that that helps. They didn't get that going as much early with some of the bubble screens, so maybe that was part of the issue too. I don't know. I I have a lot of thoughts on the run game, and I haven't really gotten them all settled yet. So I just kind of word vomited uh, there. No, no, I think you laid that out very well. And I think that's exactly what happened on the go-ahead touchdown drive, if you want to call it that. It was like three plays. Ohio State went boom, boom um, with some chunk passing plays, and that loosens the defense up. And then what happens? Travion Henderson finally busts one for a long touchdown run, and the Buckeyes never look back after that. They take that 23-21 lead, never look back after that. Tuimo Loal completely takes over from there. Um, Unbelievable. Great stuff from Patrick Murphy. Uh, Really appreciate it, Patrick. He is also the host of our newest podcast, uh, Buckeye Happy Hour, Buck Nuts Happy Hour. Uh, if you haven't tuned in, make sure you tune in for Buck Nuts Happy Hour uh, every week. Uh, it's usually Thursday. Sometimes it's Friday. Um, kind of depends on, you know, what your guests can do, kind of, you know, yeah. the schedule of your guests. But uh, I know your, your new podcast is doing well, so congratulations on that. 
Um, I like adding that to our library. So uh, good stuff out of you. Thanks to Patrick. Thanks to all of our listeners and viewers. Appreciate it very much. Hope everyone has a great day. Happy Halloween, Bucknutters. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.